all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC and Program Director of the MedPeds Residency Program. You know, in today's world, just about everybody has access to a smartphone or mobile electronic device, whatever you're using. Children and teens are not immune to that. They're spending more and more of their time on them. So what kind of effects are they having on them and all of us? We'll be discussing these issues this morning as we talk about electronic devices and social media, particularly as they affect our children and adolescents. And as usual, we'll be taking your questions and comments. And I know this is a hot topic because I get these kinds of questions from parents all the time in clinic. So if you have a question or concern, please give us a call. We would love to hear from you this morning. You can reach us at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, Or send an email to kids at mpbonline.org. Good morning. Hope everybody is enjoying this. Man, beautiful morning today. I know we're going to get a lot of rain in Mississippi, mainly, uh, well, I think the whole state's pretty uh, uh, much going to get it. Last time I looked at the weather this afternoon, but man, it feels really good out there right now. I wish I had more time outside. Would love to see patients outside today rather than inside, at least while we don't have the rain there. Social media. I was talking to a couple last night who were about my age, and I'm sort of mid-40s, mid to upper 40s. And, you know, I still remember a time when growing up, we didn't have phones, uh, at least not the ones we could carry. If you did, you were like Zach Morris, and they were huge, uh, usually connected to a battery pack in your car, and you had an antenna that was about three feet long that you had to extend on it. Um friend of mine has has an antique they're now antique phones like that and man those are cool looking i would love to pull that phone out at a meeting and uh pull that antenna out and see what people think of course that's not the 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 uh, case today and you know it's uh, if you sit down with your kids you watch some old movies and they see the phone booth and they they've i've had my own kids ask me what is that what is that thing when uh, phones were sort of connected to things you actually had to put money in it to to pay to talk to people We've gone, of course, way beyond that. But the couple I was talking to, uh, they were saying how uh, one of them said, you know, I really thought that email would be a fad. So I really didn't uh, get into it. And man, it's just uh, so much of our lives today. And it's uh, certainly used uh, for communications purposes, for connecting with people. Uh, Social media now has enormous um, uh, weight to it about what you can do. If you look at how it's used by our president right now uh, and others to get the word out, like with Twitter, uh, certainly it can be an incredibly important tool uh, to use, but it does have its downsides. And the question is, what's appropriate for kids uh, when is it, it is it appropriate and when is it not impro- appropriate? What does the data really show? What does the research show on that about how they're using it 
and are there any dangers to that? So would love for you to call in with those questions that you have, those specific things that you've been wondering about. Maybe you've got a grandchild that has just gotten their phone, or maybe you're thinking about that with a birthday coming up. And you want to know what's appropriate, then uh, give us a call. We can discuss that today on MPB uh, uh, Think Radio, Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. You can reach us at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can email us at, at kids uh, at mpbonline.org. So, you know, how many people are using them? Just about everybody's using phones. Uh, if you look at the current adult use, there's about 90 plus percent, uh, a little over 90 percent of uh, U.S. adults that are using mobile phones. And about 60 to 70 percent of those are smartphones. So you can still get those non-smartphones. I know a lot of older individuals prefer that. They don't want to text or anything like that. They just want a phone. Uh, and some kids are, uh, you know, parents are doing that for kids. And we'll talk about that a little in a little while. But about 90% of adults are going to have at least a mobile phone, and about 70% of them are going to have smartphones. So that's a lot of people that are using those. If we look at kids, um, uh, less than two years of age in this country, about 40% will have at least access to a mobile device. And that might not be a phone, it might be a tablet, but it's some kind of device that they can carry around that can access either the Internet, most of the time uh, they're, they're accessing the Internet, or some type of other program or app that they're using. If you look at less than eight years old, the numbers go up to about 75% that at least have access to that. Interesting study that I ran across of eight countries, some in Europe and one included the United States, Um, 69% of children um, were using devices, some type of mobile device. And if you look at between, uh, you know, the ages that they first receive that first mobile device uh, is usually between the ages of 10 and 12. So that's the most common age to start to, you know, when they had their first phone or or mobile device. About 34% of kids in that uh, that study of eight different countries, 34% had uh, the use of a tablet. Um, so if you really look at that, you know, certainly as they get older, the numbers go up. And about 80% of teenagers in this country are using social media. Uh, if they have a smartphone, that's about 95%. So smartphone, of course, gives you more access to things like that. And of those people who have smartphones, about 95% of them are using the Internet Either as an interface to, you know, direct interface to look at diff- look up different things, uh, websites, or uh, in conjunction with uh, with their apps that they're using, and and this is something too that you know we really look at how much time that teens are on here. I think this is probably a low number, but in studies, at least self reported studies, and uh, in in something like this, we usually under report things. Uh, This was a study of teenagers about how many texts per day uh, that teens have. And um, I would, you know, just thinking about my own kids and what they're doing, uh, about 100 texts per day is about an average. Now, this is all the teen years, so some will be lower than that. Some would be higher, of course, but at least 100 texts a day, and that does take time to do that. Uh, That doesn't capture what's been, uh, you know, a lot. There's a shift uh, away from that, so you can't just go off of that with with kids, uh, 
uh, with teens contacting other people because of Instagram, Snapchat, and other programs that they use to, to keep in touch with each other and communicate. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. We're talking about social media and its effects and uh, just getting the gravity of the situation about how many kids are using them. I really think most people, if you look around, you're like, man, it seems like every kid has got a mobile phone. So the question really is, and this is the question we get asked often, particularly from uh, you know families that have younger kids, is uh, are you worried you know, about a child's time on an electronic device? So has that ever come up? Um, how many hours per day are our kids spending on their phone or electronic devices? Um, most of the time, it's anywhere from about two to four hours per day for adolescents. It may be more than that. A lot of this is hard to capture, too, because now devices are being allowed in a lot of school situations. They actually use them during class time. So tracking this becomes a little bit of a of a challenge, but at least two to four hours a day. And there are some recommendations around this. So the American Academy of Pediatrics or the AAP has has recommended over the years after some study of, you know, the good and the bad parts of this. Now, the, I don't want to paint a picture that all social media, all devices are evil. Certainly they're they're of great uh, use and uh, can be excellent tools for education. There are some concerns, particularly at younger ages, about how a child learns uh, and how these devices might might be impacting that. But the current recommendations are, you know, if you have a child that's less than about a year and a half, less than 18 months old, really you should avoid uh, use of either social media or a phone or electronic device, including a tablet. Uh, I know that's hard to do. I know there are programs that are targeted towards uh, that age range. But based on the research, and we do have some some pretty decent research about that, um, that's probably an inappropriate use of their time. And that there's no advantage gain. So we've had these devices long enough to see, okay, if they use those devices less than, or they're introduced and used less than 18 months of age, what does that do to their development? Are their social skills developing like we would we would expect? Uh, are they able to do all the developmental milestones that they're supposed to be doing after that? And um, what we know about learning less than about 30 months of age, so really a kid less than two years of age, they have a hard time with sim- symbols. Um, a two-dimensional object, even if it has pictures, even if it has, um, you know, uh, graphic images uh, of uh, a story, maybe it's a cartoon story, maybe it's a video, kids less than 30 months of age have a hard time processing that. So before two years of age, children are still developing the cognitive skills, how they think through things, their language skills, their sensory motor skills, and social emotional skills. So all of that, all of those developmental things that are going on in their brain and their bodies require that they have interaction in a three-dimensional environment. This makes sense if you think about it. So a lot of the, you know, people use blocks with different numbers and letters on them and colors, uh, three-dimensional objects, building things out of blocks. All of those things have great advantage in your kids developing those skills and understanding those things. When you remove that or you compress it down to a two-dimensional image on a tablet or a phone, 
they really don't have the same ability to transfer that into, uh, you know, an appropriate learning environment. And they do need that. Uh, how they develop is directly influenced by the environment with you, that you give your child. So it's, it's generally not recommended less than 18 months that they don't interact with that because of those reasons, because of that research. Um, they really need more of 3D, uh, certainly need interaction with other adults and kids, if you have other kids around them in the house, for successful maturation in all those different areas of their thinking, their processing, uh, their socialization skills. So that's really, you know, the background behind that about that less than 18 months of age. Between about 18 months and two years, um, you can pick out some uh, selective, high-quality, again, socially developmentally appropriate programs. And actually, there's some sites out there that you can rate these. You can see what the ratings are uh, of these for the age appropriateness. It's generally recommended that you view those together with your child. And again, because they need that interaction. If you just put a tablet in front of an 18-month to 2-year-old, they're really not going to get the same benefit of that. They're going to watch it, of course. They're mesmerized by it. You can't pry it out of their hands sometimes. But it's much better if you do that with them uh, in the same way, you know, that we do with reading. Certainly books are the same way when when we read those with our kids. And then from about two to five years of age, um, it's generally recommended less than one hour a day uh, and to monitor what they're looking at. Graphic, video games, certainly not, uh, you know, those aren't, uh, um, if they have a lot of violence, there's a lot of studies showing that that can change how they, you know, their personality. Um, As having at least one child who loves video games, I can tell you when they're uh, more, uh, the times that, that they're exposed to more violent video games, certainly their behavior can change. I've seen that in my own kids uh, if they're exposed to that or they see that. So you have to watch out and monitor what they're actually looking at and make sure that it's appropriate. But less than one hour a day is about is about the most that you would want. And again, these are standardized things that they're doing. This certainly doesn't get into the Older kids and, uh, you know, sort of school children age and adolescents are not going to be doing quite as much of that unless they're into gaming uh, or, you know, sort of cruising the web or YouTube or whatever. Uh, It's probably going to be several different websites that they're going to be looking at or apps that they're looking at. There are some warning signs or indicators. Um, And perception is a big thing about that. So you have to ask yourself Uh, Ask your spouse, um, other caregivers, you know, what are your perceptions about what's appropriate for our own kids? Um, Are are you questioning their use? Um, Those are red flags. If you start to do that over and over again, there might be a problem. Um, If you feel your perception is that you're conversing with a device instead of your child's face, uh, this sounds like a Jeff Foxworthy skit here. Then you might uh, have a problem with social media. Um, but if they can't put it down and interact with other people, so proud of my son. I got an email from a job interview he had. He's 16, my oldest. And um, the the person that he interviewed with, uh, what they emailed me back, they said, you know, that he had eye contact. He had a firm handshake. 
Uh, he had all the social skills of talking to him during that interview. And some kids just don't have that because their main communication now is through the phone and not through verbal uh, communication with somebody else. If they're missing assignments or chores that they're supposed to be doing and they're substituting other activities on their phone or their device, they can't put it down, uh, then they, you know, they might have a problem. Uh, that's a warning sign to, to look out for. Or some more subtle things, if they have increased inattentiveness, um, that may mean that they're particularly if they're cycling rapidly through, uh, you know, through different apps or different uh, websites, uh, if they have increased forgetfulness about things or sleep problems. Um, that's an issue that we have, particularly with phones or uh, other electronic devices, including TVs in the bedroom. Um, our changes in mood, uh, certainly all those things are warning signs that something may be going on. I uh, don't want to jump on the bandwagon of, of blaming social media right off the bat, but you need to at least investigate a little bit further to see what's going on. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens, and uh, we're talking about media today and how it affects our kids and our families. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to continue our discussion and take your calls that you might have. You can reach us at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We'll be right back after this. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. I'm Dr. Jimmy, and we're talking about social media, devices, all kinds of things that are stuck to your teenager's hand or their ear or their face. Um, seriously, we're talking about all the, the positives and negatives that they might have and some of the ways that uh, you might have some concerns about it. Plenty of time for you to call today about your questions or comments about this or any other health issue that you have been wondering about, about the health of your family. You can reach us at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you're always welcome to email us at kids at mpbonline.org. So let's go to Sue in Beaumont. Good morning, Sue. How are you? Hi. What, what you're describing is an addiction. How, how do you break the addiction from children or, or young people from these electronic devices? Yeah, great question. And you're right. I mean, there's, uh, you know, we don't think about addictions with addiction can be to anything. It can be uh, to behaviors that you're doing. It can be to watching TV. It can be uh, anything that is intrusive, that's repetitive, that's impulsive. 
uh, in your life. And certainly a lot of behaviors that are linked to the use of devices or social media could be defined that way. So so your question about how do you break that addiction, it's the same way you would for anything else. Now, it's not it's not easy uh, by any means. I'll, I'll say that right off the bat. And I think this is that's the first point that I would make with any family uh, any caregiver who wants to take that step to say, hey, this is a problem, uh, how can we change that? Uh, it's going to be difficult, and particularly if you're dealing with addiction and in and, and a child or an adolescent, they're going to rebel against that because that's something that they, they enjoy. Um, I would start off with saying that it's important, um, you know, f- that's an important issue for your family. And just tell it, sitting down with that child and or adolescent and, and letting them know that. Now, if they're younger, uh, you know, if, if for some reason they've gotten, you know, addicted to a device or whatever and they're, you know, young school age, there's not going to be much discussion in that because they can't really reason through all of it. You just have to tell them this is, this is not something that's uh, – you know that uh, that we support with our family, but um, this this is going to be the limits. And then I would begin to set limits. Um, and most of the time, control of the device is probably the most effective way to break that cycle and set those limits. Well, I, I would just jerk <clears throat> that device out of their hands and tell them to get out in the yard and work in the yard for a couple hours. Or <laughs> there you go. Go read a book. <laughs> go, go visit some people in yeah. the nursing home. Do something to make face-to-face contact with other people. Yeah. Because think about the leaders of, of the world coming up now. They're not going to know how to communicate with other people if if they can't do it without having their nose in a device to do it. Kind of, it's like second hand. You know, you're not right. really dealing first hand. You're going through a text and things. That's ridiculous. You yeah, know? and and let's be honest about it. It's not just the kids; it's the adults too. So it's us. Yeah. And modeling that behavior, it's not going to be fair to a child or adolescent to say, "Hey, you need to get off that phone." Uh, if then you pick up your phone and you you're scrolling through whatever you know your news feed. That's right. Um, I ran across some some really good uh, data on uh, there was an interesting theory on hard stops in our life and hard stops are these places where uh, you know we used to have more hard stops we had seasonal hard stops we had hard stops if we were reading a book that you actually turn the pages. Uh, you got to the end of the chapter and you completed that or the end of the book and you completed it. And there was a stop until you picked up the next book. Uh, our news came to us at two different times of the day, usually, uh, you know, five, ten o'clock. It was uh, it and uh, our all of the things that we get came in cycles. The newspaper came once a day. Well, now we don't have that. We have we have a constant stream of information that we have access to and the hard stops are there cognitively, in other words, the way you think about it, so that you can reflect and think about it and really slow your mind down. Now, we've sped things up to the point now where uh, there's not a whole lot of thought process. And we start to talk about kids, they need that. And we start, you know, it's pretty easy. If you talk to teachers in the classroom, they'll be quick to tell you they don't see those hard stops. And it's hard for them to ask a child 
you know, in fifth, sixth grade. Let's think about the historical aspects of what happened in Vietnam and how or World War Two uh, or the expansion of the United States. And what does that mean for us today? Well, they don't really have any concept of that because they haven't done it. I, I think you're right on the money, Sue. And uh, the first step is setting some limits, making sure they understand why it's important, even if they don't understand completely, and to stick to that. One thing we did, uh, I got my kids to buy into the last time we were on vacation last summer at the beach was to, I said, you can take your phone, but once we get there, I would encourage you to leave your phone in the room, go to the beach, and see how, pay attention to how you feel without that phone all week long. And both of them turned to me and said, this is the best thing ever. Yeah. Um, they they feel the difference after a while. There is a lot of social peer pressure with this, because, and particularly with some of the newer apps. And look, let's be honest. These apps are designed to pull people in. They want you to use them. So they're designed specifically to make you use them more. Uh, or at least want to use it more. So the addictive part, I think, so you're right on the money with that. Uh, But teaching kids, they're going to have these problems with, we think that it's, you know, bad now in a lot of ways. Uh, The future is probably going to have many more ways to connect. And we really have to make, you know, empower our kids to think about that and give them good examples. So got to be hard. You can't be their friend. You can be their parent. Uh, So, Sue, uh, fight the good fight. Thanks for your uh, comment and question. Thank you. All right. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens talking about social media and devices this morning and uh, how do you how do you deal with those and and again they're not all bad you know there are good things about that I can in my own work it is much easier particularly if I have a clinical question that comes up uh, I now have some apps on my phone that take me directly to databases that I can search and get a lot of information fairly quickly for patients. Uh, when it might have taken a week or two or more uh, to do that in the past, even 20 years ago. So there are some, some you know, potential good uses for those. You just have to, to be very um, critical about how you're using it yourself and then with your kids to, to monitor that and teach them those same skills. Let's go to Suzanne and Meridian. Good morning, Suzanne. Hi, how are you? Good. Thank you for calling. Um, so you're doing a great job at uh, well, thank helping you. everyone to discern all this. Um, really, um, my ideas that I wanted to speak about were you've already covered them, actually. Um, I've been a teacher for a lifetime, adults and children, and um, I made it a person, uh, well, I personally committed to turning my phone off allowing my children and the adults in the workshops I gave that this is appropriate for right now. And, you know, as you mentioned, everything is so automated, instant. That gratification just comes in so quickly. And uh, I just, there's some kind of protocol and ethics that go with all this. I'm not sure what all that's about right now, but the more modeling we can give our kids, whether they're our children or other children, kids pick that up. You yep. know, you're they're, right. They're quick to get it, and um, that was just—I'm just reiterating 
what you've already said. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. And Suzanne, I liked what you said about ethics about it and so does sort of the social norms. When technology outs, if technology advances, anytime you have a very quick, rapid technology advance uh, that involves people in some ways, it often outstrips how they use it in appropriate ways. So the more connected that we've we've been able to to be to a device, to the internet, to uh, you know messaging somebody in Nepal in real time, um, okay. that that changes how you interact with people. And it is, I think you're right. The, the ethics of it, we don't know because we haven't had time to really define those in a way that's, that's thoughtful. It's interesting that a lot of the, when you read a lot of the comments about uh, some of the executives and companies that develop all these, um, Steve Jobs uh, and, uh, you know, former CEO of Apple, um, at the dinner table and at other times, did not allow his own children to use an iPhone, nor did he at certain times of the day. So yeah. being disconnected, like you said, that's okay. Um, how you deal with things. I know a lot of people think, you know, particularly since you, uh, you know, email is a good example. When we first had email, you had to go to a physical computer, you had to pull it up. Uh, most of the people, when it was first developed, felt like that an appropriate turnaround time to answer that email was one to two days, maybe a couple of more. As that email has been more and more accessible, so that now it comes to your phone in real time. In fact, it can. It's not just a passive act or an active activity that you go to, but you can receive a message when it comes to you. There's been a thought that well, that's a we need to turn around very quickly. Like I have to be checking that, you know, all the time. And you're right, it is intrusive in other things, and it's counterproductive. It's interesting. A lot of companies now are having rules around that um, about how you use electronic media, email, text, when it's appropriate, when it's not appropriate. So if you're in a meeting, for instance, uh, they may say, "Hey, no texting or email while we're at this meeting." Uh, and right. then, you know, but there, there's a lot of expectations. That was one of the, the earliest things when my when my son had uh, his first electronic, uh, his first uh, uh, iPhone uh, was to talk to him about texting. And I said, OK, let's say you want to send a text to your friends and you don't hear anything back. You say, hey, how you doing? And that you don't hear anything back. What does that mean? You know, 30 minutes go by, an hour goes by, and he said, well, maybe they don't want to text me back. I said, or maybe they didn't see it, or maybe they're thinking about it and they're doing something else. (laughs) Um, And, you know, all those things, you have to talk to kids about what that means, because now uh, there's an emotional aspect of this, too. And I think this is where we get into – there's not a whole lot of research. My gut feeling is a lot of the problems that we have – particularly during early adolescence when social connectivity is incredibly important. And maybe we'll touch on this in a couple of weeks. We're going to talk about depression, uh, which is a huge issue right now and suicide. Uh, But a lot of the, you know, at least the questions that are coming up is, are we stripping our, you know, taking away from early adolescence 
those skills, those emotional connectivity, because and we're giving them uh, this this angst about uh, you know they hang on every text or emoji uh, or or uh, streak that they have on Instagram. So lots of different ways that we're shifting that emotion from those face to face interactions with their peers, with uh, with their parents, with uh, those in authority. Uh, and we're replacing it with something that's electronic. Just a thought. I mean, that's there's a lot of, of research in that area right now. But Sue, you, you really, Suzanne, you really uh, touched on a couple of things there, and particularly the ethics of it. Like, what is expected? And I think families can do that. You know, the expectation yeah. is you All don't right. you don't want to go out to eat and just look at your phone the whole time. No, no, no. And this, there's a I think a whole. Another show on computers, how kids use computers as well. Um, When I taught in the classroom, I always made certain that I explained to my children, this is how the computer will be used in class. Yeah, yeah. So you defined. Yeah, we're doing research on the computer. We have books. We can turn pages in for the research so that they understand it, there's not one place I go to communicate or receive information. Right. So um, this, is, this is a very complex. It is. And, uh, but when it, there, the, anything like this, technology, has something to do with our children and how it connects with them, I think our awareness of that as adults is going to be the critical factor in yep. Helping them to educate their, you know, their own selves about how to interact with technology in the yeah. way we do. So, anyway, you, you're uh, right on the money. I couldn't have said it better myself. So, thanks for that yeah. comment and and uh, and bringing those things up. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. All right. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. We're talking about social media and devices this morning and how it uh, intersects with our lives and our kids' lives. Hey, great call so far. We'd like for you to join in on the conversation. If you have a question or a comment to make about this topic or any other issue that's uh, affecting the health of your family, you can give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or email us at kids at mpb online.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. I'm Dr. Jimmy. Welcome back to our discussion about social media devices, how it affects our kids and our families and, and our us as adults. So, uh, lots of good comments by our previous two callers, and uh, trying to dive into this and see how we might give you some tools to uh, to really be doing the best thing to teach your kids how to use it appropriately. Let's go to uh, Shirley in Starkville. Good morning, Shirley. Good morning, and thank you for your program. Sure, thank you. Um, 
And I, too, am concerned with uh, six grandchildren uh, about the overuse of uh, technology. However, uh, if so, what I think that, you know, the parents and, and the grandparents like me uh, should do is set reasonable limits. Um, for instance, our church recently uh, had a fast. Uh, this past week, and so uh, one of the criteria for the fast for uh, youth and young adults was that uh, they would have to put aside, you know, their uh, phone and uh, stay off so- social media for two hours, <laughs> and during that time, uh, they had to read a book. Or do homework, yeah, uh, or something of that sort. And um, you know, there were there were some uh, other suggestions as well. A second thing is that we have to encourage uh, responsible use of technology because some schools, uh, my grandchildren who live in Atlanta, for instance, and this just really shocked me that they don't even bring home textbooks. Yeah, and that all of their assignments are are on the computer. And, uh, you know, I'm doing my level best to keep them off Wikipedia. (laughs) (laughs) Good for you. (laughs) And, um, but, you know, more and more uh, schools uh, are are requiring that that the young people use uh, computers. And uh, that troubles me as well because there are so many uh, families you know, who cannot afford a computer. So yeah. if they are not issued by the school system, it, you know, greatly disadvantages some students. So yeah. Uh, those are That's great. My yeah, those are great <laughs> comments, and I, I think you're right. Setting limits uh, for that, and so, you brought up a, a good point about that uh, that you have to substitute something back in that is good. Um, now it'd be great. Sometimes I disconnect on my back porch and go back there with a glass of tea or something and just sit. And I've tried to do this more yeah. and more, and just don't have an agenda. Just be still. Right. Um, so, I, you know, and that's in the, the idea of fasting. I know a lot of people aren't, you know, quite familiar with that. That is great to disconnect from those things every once in a while. Um, and But then substituting those good things that are in there, uh, you know, reading a book, like you said, playing outside, getting physical activity, interacting with other friends or family, playing a board game. Uh, we've gotten back yeah. into board games with our family, you know, with my teens, which is my wife and I are like, this is so awesome. Uh, that that yeah. we can do that, and um, so so yeah, I think that's really good. But you're right, you know. It most you know moving forward, I don't care if you're a farmer in Iowa, you probably are going to be connected to at least these days to an electronic device that you're using for yeah. something that's related to you know your day to day life. So teaching them the responsible mm-hmm. use of that, how they can use it. Uh, and you're right, some schools, they just have gone to all the way to electronic textbooks. I've seen a lot of those. Some of them do are quite, you know, impressive. Again, it's not for, for the totally all the way down to, to less than two uh, years of age because of the developmental challenges there are different. But, you know, that those are those are something to look at. Um, 
And what we've done in medical school training is a lot more online now. It's a lot more accessible online. So we do have to teach yeah. them how to do that. But the I, the biggest thing is all that access to, to all that information. Uh, there still are skills that you have to, to know to use that appropriately. Uh, you can't right. You can't just say, well, I'll just look it up in real time. You do have to know how to do that. What's appropriate? You mentioned Wikipedia. You know what's appropriate as a re- from a research standpoint, and it takes a lot of effort uh, to do that. However, it's always taken a lot of effort to do the right thing, and and in parenting, and, right. you know that's 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 what we're supposed to do. So, Charlie, thank you. I know you got to run off to something. Uh, thanks for that. Co- those yeah. two comments. This All righty, thank you. All right. We're talking about electronic media today on Southern Remedy Kids and Teens and a lot of good comments that we're having. I want to touch on, if we have time, cyberbullying and sexting, because those those are two things that I hear from middle and high school principals, especially, and headmasters about their concerns about that. Uh, Actually, in, in the area, you know, that if you look back over the past year or two, uh, lots of inappropriate use of social media. I know an, an area school had a threat, two area schools had a threat recently, um, you know, that uh, was uh, at least the threat came through the social media. So that's that's something we want to touch on. But let's go to Laura in Ellisville first, who has a comment. Good morning, Laura. Good morning. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned uh, cyberbullying and texting because my comment is that I feel like technology and social media in particular has created a sort of a fishbowl culture. Everybody sees everything that is going on in your life. Uh, Children are FaceTiming while they're doing household chores or while they're doing their homework. And there is no time for them to meditate or contemplate. There's no time to um, encourage the creative genius that's in so many children. Um, additionally, children don't understand that when they're sexting or when they're doing something, you know, bullying somebody in social media or on their phones, that never goes away. Those digital um, messages never go away, and they can follow you for the rest of your life. And that's all I have to say. Uh, Those are great comments, Laura. That's uh, Both those things are extremely uh, important to teach children and adolescents about uh, the dangers that are involved there. Um, yeah, I, the, the last thing you said, I just want to touch on that first. Uh, the permanence of that is is something that you're, you're right. It does not go away. It follows them for a long time. So if they post something out there, uh, it's not uh, certainly not private. We know lots of stars have gotten their, their personal phones, uh, you know, their websites, the cloud sites hacked and had personal photos that were meant for only one individual uh, and and were posted all over the place. That goes on way too much with kids, uh, mm-hmm. and and you know. But it is it is incredibly emotionally seductive. I guess is a good word to say um, that um, they they crave that fishbowl mentality. And um, we we there's a there's a, a physician Abraham Verges uh, who is uh, famous on TED Talks. He has a talk about 
uh, our our physician patient relationships and how we're tied so much more to computers and electronic medical records now, and uh, that the patient is now the computer. And an avatar of the patient is now the patient at the bedside. And I think in a lot of ways, uh, kids are that way. Like the, the, the real them, the, when they think about the real me, is actually what happens on the phone and in, in social media sites. And so if I can, and there's also an opportunity to create that, right? I mean, you can recreate yourself on there. And if that's the main way that you interact with people, uh, it's certainly not... You know, it may not be a true representation of who you are to them. Uh, and and again, that's, you know, that's like back in my time, somebody, you know, would come to school and if they, maybe they felt like they needed to increase their self-esteem, they might say, hey, um, I won the, the Miss USA pageant last night, even though I'm eight years old. Uh, and everybody would say, really, you, you really won that. Um, and now you can do it online. You can, you know, and people will believe uh, things like that. And uh, I think you're, you're right. Kids, kids look at that. And adults uh, certainly have created a lot of these ways that um, are, have been billed as ways to connect with other people and share your life. Uh, however, there is a danger with that. And in teaching kids that some things don't need to be shared, um, that's something you can teach them early. Um, you know, when our kids, they, you know, we taught them from or try to teach them from a very early age. You know, there are certain parts of your body. There are certain things that you don't share with other people that are not meant for that. Um, and certainly the phone is not a way to do that. Uh, it's interesting, Dr. Dr. Buttress, uh, who is uh, on Southern Remedy, relatively speaking, uh, she, you know, has a theory. She and I have talked about this several times of of distance and um, the further away that you are from somebody, the more freedom you feel to say things that are difficult or hard about them. So in other words, it's easier for me to criticize somebody if they're not standing right in front of me. The closer I am physically to them, the less likely I am to make threats or, uh, you know, we can talk about bullying and the same kind of, of, of light with that. The phone and social media, that really creates this sense of distance because they're not right there. However, it also connects us directly to them, and the comments that we make are incredibly devastating to them because they they're seen by everybody, and um, a lot of a lot of individuals, a lot of uh, you know middle middle school boys and girls uh, have used that inappropriately to gain some self esteem for themselves. I think it's important to sit down with your kids to to really. And again, if they're if they're into it that much, then that is a problem. That is an addiction to that, and to pull them away from that, they're going to rebel against that, particularly at first. But pulling them away from that and starting to substitute in real relationships, and you may even want to partner with other families, uh, other mothers or, or fathers that are uh, you know will buy into that too and create those uh, relationships with them that will that will be uh, productive. So hey, thanks, Laura, for those comments and. Uh, uh, fight the good fight out there about social media. Have uh, a good day. Thank you. So, uh, this is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens, and uh, finishing up a discussion about uh, social media and devices. I've got a little bit of time if you have a comment or a question that you want to call us about. I do want to talk about cyberbullying and, and sexting a little bit more. So cyberbullying and 
and traditional bullying, sometimes they overlap. Uh, but online bullying, it's it got unique challenges that we just talked about. So you can be anonymous. Uh, you can bully any time of the day. You don't have to wait if you're in physical proximity of that person. Information can be spread online rapidly. Uh, and uh, the you know the perpetrator of that, the target roles, they can be fluid in the online world. So it's very hard to to say you know point a finger and say that's a, a bullying type behavior. Um, Cyberbullying can lead to short and long-term negative social, academic, and health consequences for both the person that is doing those behaviors and the target. Uh, and fortunately, the, you know, the newer studies uh, suggest that interventions, if you intervene in those uh, to target the bullying, it may reduce it. So it's, if you, you know, make sure that your school is involved in targeting that, make sure that you, you know, you're doing it at your home as well. Uh, sexting is another problem that uh, can oftentimes, uh, you know, that's something that can look innocuous. It looks like it's not, um, you know, not something that they need to worry about. Uh, but it is it is common. So basically, if they're they're putting pictures out there or semi nude images, anything that's sexually explicit text messages, it's estimated. And this is scary to me as a parent. Uh, twelve around twelve percent of youth ages nineteen or ten to nineteen years of age have sent a sexual photo to somebody else, and uh, you know, unfortunately, the internet has created opportunities for the exploitation of kids, um, uh, sex trafficking, sex offenders through social networking. Those are huge issues. Chat rooms, email, online games. Talk to your kids about this because those are all venues that sexual. Um, um, perpetrators, sex offenders can go to those sites and target kids. And just because it's not happening in real time, if there are things said back and forth, those are potentially damaging, well, they are damaging to kids of any age or adolescents. And talk to your kids about that. Uh, warn them about sort of the, the different things that they need to look out for on those different sites uh, and monitor it. You know, why is it not appropriate for them to join in on these things? And again, these things don't go away. Once they post that picture of themselves, even if it's to an individual, you know, this goes back to, uh, you know, thinking back to my conversation with my oldest about text, text messaging. When you do send something to somebody else on an electronic device, you don't have 100% certainty that that is the person at the other end. It might be their brother or their sister. Uh, somebody grabbed my, my youngest son's phone one time, and they started texting all kinds of stuff back. Uh, and, you know, you just don't know until you verify face-to-face with that person. It's interesting, like email, and I do this more of frustration. Once I, I have five emails back and forth, uh, I have a five-email rule. Uh, I'm going to call a meeting. Because uh, I I just hate communicating, uh, you know, on the same subject back and forth like that. So if there's something that's going on more than about five times back and forth, I'm going to say, hey, can we meet? Can we, you know, grab some coffee right quick and talk about this face to face? Because it is important to uh, to teach those skills to kids. I want to tell you about something before we run out of too much time. So uh, Safer Internet Day 2018. I think that's uh, Tuesday, February the 6th. Uh, so if you go to this website, find out about this. There's a lot of good resources there. So it's www.safer, S-A-F-E-R, Internet Day, all together, 
org. They've got some great resources there about how you might, uh, some of the things we've been talking about today. Uh, the AAP has a, a toolkit that you can go to. So if you just Google AAP, um, Social Media and Website Toolkit, uh, there's some great things for parents there that you can go to as well uh, to find out about uh, some ways that you can be uh, to, to really understand what's going on out there and teach your kids. And sometimes you have to dig a little bit to try to figure out, you know, the best ways to, to help your family. Hey, thanks for today. Thanks for listening. Thanks for calling Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. This is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and generous support from listeners like you. Today's show was engineered by Jay White. Our call screener was Michelle McAdoo. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart. You can join us at 11 on Thursdays for Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. And stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now coming up next on MPB Think Radio. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting.